welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Just so you guys are aware, there are there's so many people around us in this church living on mission. Um, we have people who work with TCM here. We have people who are at Move-In and Move-In Patches, Moss Park, uh, St. Jamestown. We have, we have people working in other organizations. We have a whole group that works with the Scott Mission Camp, and they're out today um, with kids and youth on a retreat, just pouring into these youth, um, pouring into these kids from the city and showing them the love of Jesus. And I just want to say a quick prayer over them before we jump in because, um, I mean, many of these guys, Kevin, Jamal, Cassandra, Gabby, uh, I mean, there's so many, so many of them part of our church that are involved in this. Um, they were transformed by this ministry and now they're giving back to it. And they're, they're a part of our church living on mission through this, through this organization in our city, and it's just really beautiful, and they're with the kids right now. So let's just pray a prayer blessing over them uh, as, as we are with them in spirit right now. So Jesus, we pray that you bless them to, to uh, just be you, to look like you, to act like you, to, to point these children and these youth to you, and, and Father, uh, use them to call things out of the darkness and to bring them into the light. So pray that they would walk as children of light right now because that's where they are. That's who they are in you, Lord Jesus. Pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, we're in our mountain series and we've been going through this series for a few weeks. It's through the Sermon on the Mount and what I want you guys to remember is this is all one sermon. So this is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus is preaching this, and it's all one sermon. What we have the tendency to do is take this out and piecemeal it. But the context is so important to, to these passages. So I'll, be, I'll probably rehash it every time, every time we're in, in a different passage, just to make sure you guys know that when Jesus preaches this, something's come before this, and some other things are coming after this, and we can't interpret a singular passage, these four verses, for instance, or five verses, uh, whatever it is, um, we can't interpret them by themselves. We have to interpret them in, in this sermon that Jesus is preaching. Much the same way, if you just take something out of the middle of this sermon and remove it from the rest of the context of the sermon, you might, you might misunderstand what I was trying to talk about, what I was getting at. So we don't want to do that with Jesus. We don't want to do that with the Word of God. So I'm going to continue to, to talk about these things. And just to bring you along, we've talked about, starting in Matthew 5 with the Beatitudes, uh, we've, Jesus is building kingdom character here. Okay? He's, he's already said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's showing us how to be kingdom citizens. And he's building something into us, something that we aren't currently. And he's trying to put this character into us. And he's doing this by telling us that we are certain things in him, that we are these things. So first of all, he said, you are blessed. And we preach a sermon on that. You are valuable, salt and light. You are fulfilled. You are, I can't remember what happened after that. Uh, rescued. You are free. Uh, all these things that Jesus has said that we are now that we're in him. 
And today we're talking about you are transformed. And as Adam read, the passage is this passage, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, which is so often misunderstood and misinterpreted. <clears throat> so I'm going to try to clear some of that stuff up for you today. Let me start off with this story. So uh, growing up, I was a runt. Uh, I have a twin sister, and she was always bigger than I was growing up. She, everyone always thought she was older than I was. I was this little tiny guy. Um, I was 5'2 until my last year of high school. So, and I grew, like, when I met Missy in university, I was still growing. So, like, and now you have this magnificent being before you today. <laughs> so, uh, but it took many years for this to, to happen. So growing up, uh, I was just this little guy, and, and I, was, uh, I was a funny guy. I was like the class clown type of guy. And, and so just really fun-loving. Uh, and why are you laughing? <laughs> so uh, in elementary school and then into grade six, I was in two fights. And the first fight in elementary school, I was sitting on this, I was getting, I got on the school bus. I used to ride the school bus to, to and from school got on the bus, and there was this guy sitting in, in this seat next to the window, and I sat next to him in the aisle. And I have no idea, and, and the guy, he was in, in my neighborhood, his name is Tomas. He was in our neighborhood, and that's Spanish for Thomas, <laughs> in case you're wondering, Tomas. So he was in our neighborhood, but I didn't know him that well, so I sat next to him, though, and I don't remember why the fight started, why arguing started, but he tried to push me off of the seat. And so eye for an eye, right? I smashed his face into the window. That was what my retaliation was to, oh, he's going to push me out. So I, like, pushed his face in the window. I don't know what happened after that. Probably, like, scratching, pulling of the hair, <laughs> biting, clawing. I don't know what happened after that. Bus driver stopped it, all that stuff. Uh, the second fight was a few years later. And this was grade six, a few years later, again, on the school bus. And I'm sitting next to a friend, and he was, like I said, I was a runt. He was bigger than I was. He was at the window. I was in the aisle. Um, and he was kind of, as we're riding home on the bus, he's kind of playing with the seat. He's kind of playing the drums on it, kind of punching it playfully, just as he's talking. And we're just talking about who knows what, baseball cards, boogers, I don't know. What do you talk about when you're in grade six? We're just talking, and, and he's just hitting the seat. And the guy in front of us, who, um, who was a bigger guy than me, he turns around, and he just starts cussing us out because my friend was hitting the seat. And he's, he just starts cussing us out, saying all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, you know, sorry. Like, I know that's annoying. We didn't even realize we were, we were doing that. So sorry. Um, it wouldn't happen again. My friend, though, was like, no, like, he ain't going to talk to us like that. So when, when the guy in front of us sits down, he punches the seat as hard as he can. And, and the guy turns around and just cusses us out again. And, and then my friend's all laughing. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why would you do that? And, and so he sits back down. But the rest of the bus ride, pretty uneventful. Like, no, nothing happened. So we get to our stop. We're about to get off, and the guy, same stop. He, he goes to get off. We go to get off. And he turns around, and I'm standing up in the aisle, and he's standing up in the aisle. I turn around, and he starts to choke me out. Like, 
literally, and my parents are here this morning, I don't know if they even know this story. So like, <laughs> he, <laughs> he starts to choke me out, like, and um, I'll spare you the details, but um, he ends up on the ground about 10 feet away from me, and, and we're in the aisle, we're still in the bus aisle, and he gets up and starts charging after me, and I'm just standing there in the bus aisle. And all of a sudden, my friend, who was in the seat, who actually punched the seat, whose fault it was, uh, he comes and stands right in front of me and takes the brunt of the attack until the bus driver uh, comes in and breaks it up. And what's awesome about this story is that that friend who stepped in front of me was Tomas. He was the same guy whose face I smashed in the window three years earlier. And, and in the second fight, he's the guy who's protecting me, standing in front of me, sacrificing himself for me. And what changed? What changed was relationship. What changed in our relationship was forgiveness. And whereas before, retaliation, retaliation happened, <laughs> eye for a face kind of happened, and, uh, and then we actually became really good bus buddies, friends. It was like we weren't really friends outside of the school bus. We were like just friends on the school bus. Uh, friends on the school bus th for, for those years. And through forgiveness and relationship, that changed everything for us. And here he is now willing to sacrifice himself for me and stand in front of this guy and, and, and protect me, even though it was his fault. So it kind of was his duty. But um, like I said, what changed there was this, this idea of forgiveness and relationship. And a lot of times in retaliation, that's, that's the, the root of retaliation is the hurt that's been done to us. Uh, well, there's a couple roots. That's one. One is pride, our own pride. We're protecting our own pride. And we'll see that Jesus is addressing this in this passage. But, um, but also, you've heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people, right? And, and so a lot of times when we retaliate, it's, it's excessive because we're operating out of our own hurt. And forgiveness here is the key. And, and if relationship and forgiveness is going to happen, uh, it needs to happen with Jesus. If we're going to be these type of people with kingdom character, kingdom, kingdom citizens, we're going to have to enter this relationship with Jesus, and he's going to transform us. And in order for him to do that, we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to our pride. We have to die to what we think we deserve. We have to die to, to ourselves, to our sinful selves, and live to Jesus. And that's the bottom line for this morning that we're going to take throughout the entire sermon is you are transformed when you die to yourself and you live for Jesus. But death is hard, guys. It's probably a constant battle for you every day to die to yourself to say, to die to your sinful desires, your urges, your passions, and I'm not talking about the good ones, I'm talking about the, the, the evil ones. It's, it's hard for us to die to ourselves. The Bible says we're to be living sacrifices. What's the problem with the living sacrifice? It crawls off the altar. <laughs> That's what's hard. We're like, yes, Jesus, I want to give myself to you, and then they starts getting, the fire starts burning. We're like, uh, I don't not today, Jesus, and, and we're, we're over here off the altar. And, but this is a daily thing that the Apostle Paul says that we do. So Jesus is talking about that in this passage. Let's, let's take a look at it beginning in verse 38. He says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now he's quoting 
the Mosaic law. He's quoting Leviticus, he's quoting Exodus, he's quoting Deuteronomy. This, this passage, these, these verses, these words are in three different spots in the Mosaic law. And so he's, he's saying that you've heard that it was said this. Now, this is a true statement, okay? Jesus is not establishing a new law. Jesus is not abolishing the old law. Jesus earlier, remember, this is the context of of his sermon, earlier he says, I came to fulfill the law. I didn't come to get rid of it. I didn't come to make a new one. I came to fulfill it. And when, when this was given in the Mosaic law, because it's still a principle that, that applies, it wasn't given to give us permission. Does that make sense? It wasn't given to say, oh, you had your eye taken, you deserve to take someone else's eye. It was given to control excess. It was given to control our innate sinful desire for retaliation, for vengeance, for revenge, and odds are, like, I don't know, most of the time, the majority of the time, 99% of the time, when retaliation happens, what happens? It's more excessive than the actual act, the actual first act, than the actual first wrongdoing. It's, it's excessive. And, and what the Mosaic Law was supposed to do, what this principle was supposed to do, is curb that, is control that. But it was never to say, oh, now you have permission to get what you deserve. That's a wrong interpretation of what this is. It was always there to say, no, you are sinful. The law is to show us our transgression. It's to show us where we're sinful. And it's to say, you are sinful. Your tendency is to overreact because you're hurt people hurt people. So your tendency is to overreact. And it's to say, no, if there is a punishment, it needs to fit the crime. Okay, and what's important about this passage as well, when it's quoted in the Mosaic, Uh, code, it's always in the judicial system. So this was never meant to be a personal thing, to defend my personal honor. Like if, if you, if you hurt me, then I hurt you. It was always meant to be uh, enacted in a court of law, judicial justice, okay? So this, this provided for justice. So when Jesus says, you've heard that it was said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, he's not abolishing it. He's not, he actually hasn't even said anything about it. He hasn't said anything bad about it. He hasn't said anything good about it. He's just saying, you've heard it was said this, but I say to you, and when he says that, again, he's not taking it out. He says, but I say, do not resist the one who is evil. Uh, let's, let's stop there. Do not resist the one who is, who is evil. And, and now let's, let's put it back with eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, because this is, this is really important for us here. Our tendency, and what the Pharisees were doing, the the religious people of the day, what we tend to do, what you might interpret this passage as, is that now you you get something you deserve. So if some wrongdoing is done to you, that person uh, that person has to have the wrongdoing done to them. What Jesus says when he says, "But I say to you," is he's showing us a better way. He's showing us he's showing us kingdom character. He's showing us that we're transformed now. There's something else. It's, it's, the question isn't do we retaliate or, not to, or do we not retaliate. There's a new question. It's how do we point to Jesus in this moment, especially and even in the face of violence and wrongdoing. And, 
And with, with the Pharisees here, they, they just got it totally wrong. One, they're interpreting the passage in terms of their personal honor, their personal pride. They're interpreting it as, like, if you do this, then, then we get to do this because you've, you've hurt me. And then second, they were saying, this is our right. We deserve this. We, we get to do this now because you, you took something away from me. I, I, in order to make it right, I take something away from you. Like I said, my dad's here this morning. Our, our biggest, one of the biggest things I remember from growing up in, in my house was, was this statement, two wrongs don't make it right. He used to say that all the time. How many of your parents said that to you growing up? Uh, all the time, two wrongs don't make it right. Basically, Jesus is saying that here. Like, that's, that, the Mosaic legislation wasn't to say, hey, do two wrongs and that's going to make it right. It was just to curb our sinful nature. And Jesus is saying, hey, there's a better way than this. There's something better than this for you out there. And the thing is, with these passages, we talk about anger, there's lust in here, there's, there's divorce, there's, there's oaths. Remember, again, this is so important for the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is not establishing a new code of ethics. Okay, and he's not prescribing things for us. So, so a lot of times people, people read these passages, like, let's just take, take the anger one. And your question is, well, can I be angry then? Is anger a sin? How angry can I be before I sin? And if you're asking those questions, you're completely missing what Jesus is saying. If you're saying, well, how can I be angry and not sin? You're missing it totally. Jesus, doesn't, Jesus isn't talking about that. We're, it's, what, what we end up doing when we ask those questions is establishing a new law, a new boundary. If your question is, how far can I go in anger before I sin, then you're just looking for the line. And you're just saying, I don't want to cross that line. I want to be on this side of the line. That's just a new law, guys. Jesus isn't establishing a new law. He's fulfilling it for us. He's taking away the line. He's erasing the line, okay? Because he says, you are now living under grace and freedom. Stop trying to live under the law. Isn't it tragic and sad that those of us who are followers of Jesus, who are, our reality is grace and freedom, that we keep on wanting to live under the law? Because we ask questions, oh, am I sinning when I do this? Is this a sin? Like, you know what? My daily life, I don't even think about sin. I just, point, I just try to point to Jesus and live under grace. Like, if I mess up, I recognize I'm under the grace of Jesus, and I'm going to keep on going. There's no guilt, there's no condemnation for your sin in Christ Jesus. You shouldn't, if you're in Christ Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, sin should not even be something you think about. You should think about him. Why do we think about things that are evil when we have what's life and good for us right in front of us when we have Jesus? Like, we, if we're going to point people to Jesus, we need to, be li- we need to live our lives for Jesus. In order to do that, we need to die to ourselves. We need to die to that sin. We need to die to those passions. We need to die die to those uh, evil desires. We need to die to our sinful nature. Okay, And, and Jesus here is trying to erase the line for us. He's not drawing a new boundary. He's not making the circle bigger. Um, I use this illustration a lot, and this is what we, what we always do. So if you have a circle here, and the heart of God is in the middle, um, what, whatever this is. I can't do this with my hands. Hey, is this a heart? I don't know. People do that all the time, right? I don't. So there's a heart in the middle of this circle, 
And, and uh, what we try to do is we're, we have, if you have arrows pointing out, we draw a line around the heart of God, and we try to get as close to that line as possible. What Jesus has done for us is he's taken the circle away from the heart of God, and he just turned the arrows inside to the heart of God. That's what your life as a Christian now is. If you're a follower of Jesus, your arrows are pointing into the heart of God. Stop trying to find the boundary away from the heart of God. When you, if you're trying to find the boundary, you're leaving the heart of God. You're going away from the heart of God. Jesus is saying, just focus on the heart of God, guys. There is no line. That sounded like the Matrix. He's like, there is no spoon. Um, so there's, there's no line. Like, it's, it's, it's gone. He's not establishing a new law, Okay because he's given us something much more beautiful. Now, again, let me just be, let me be clear. That does not mean there's no Christian code of ethics. Is that, that does not mean that. That means that we don't have to focus on the line because we're going towards the heart of God. Just want to be clear on that. So he says here, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. What? Like, <laughs> That sounds pretty ridiculous, right? Like someone comes and punches me in the face. I'm like, oh, yeah, get this side too. Like, what is he saying there? Um, whatever rose up in you when, you when I just read that statement, whatever rubbed you the wrong way with that, that's what Jesus is trying to root out of your heart this morning. That's what he's trying to get rid of. If you read that statement and you're like, I can never do that, Jesus is trying to take that out of your heart. Now, again, this isn't a law. He's not saying you heard it was said eye for an eye, but I tell you, let people slap you around. I, that's, not what he's, that's not what he's saying. He's getting to the heart. He's trying to take us from the letter of the law to the spirit of the law. And, and what he's doing is he's focusing on our sinful nature and dying to ourselves. Okay, so when he says here, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn in the other also, what I get a lot of times when, when I talk to people about this is, so what, am I just supposed to lay down and let someone walk all over me? And, and I'm like, well, how, where did you get that in here? Why, where did you read that? I, no, you're, you're not supposed to do that. As, as Christians, we're, we are supposed to stand against injustice. Okay, the scriptures say that. We are supposed to stand against the evil one. Yes, we are supposed to protect those who are unprotected. We're supposed to take care of widows and orphans. We're supposed to um, serve the poor and, and lift up the oppressed. We're supposed to do these things and stand against evil. So if evil is happening, we don't just stand by idly. We do something to, to correct that evil. But a lot of times what we do is we correct evil with evil. We don't correct evil with good. Okay, so... This, a lot of, I, I debated whether I was going to talk about this or not, and I'll mention it briefly, uh, because a lot of people take, or a lot of pacifism is built on this passage. Um, there's other passages that, that pacifists use to, to build their, their doctrine, their theology, but this is one of them. And, and I'm not, I want to call myself a pacifist. Uh, I will call myself a peacemaker, because that's what Jesus calls us in Matthew 5, 8, 9, uh, 9 here, uh, that we're to be peacemakers. Pacifism has a whole bunch of baggage, and um, 
yeah, has a whole bunch of different, different things, so I wouldn't use that term, but, but let's, let's talk about peacemaking, okay? Um, we think that, so this is the typical response I get, which betrays someone's heart uh, when they respond this way. When you read this passage and, and you talk about peacemaking or you talk about pacifism, they say, well, what if somebody came into your house and try to rob your house and try to hurt your, your wife and your daughters. And, and that's normally the response. What if someone does something against you? And that's exactly what Jesus is getting at here. He's saying, the, the, there's, well, I want to say exactly what Jesus is getting at, but there's, there's a couple things at play here. One, Jesus, this context is your personal honor and pride, Okay? that makes sense? So when something is done against you that affects your personal honor and pride, what is your reaction? Is it to retaliate? Is it to seek vengeance? Is it to uh, correct your hurt pride? Is it to assert yourself? Jesus is not talking about evil acts here in the sense of someone coming to your home and robbing you and, and doing stuff to your family. Like that is an injustice that yes, I would stand against, okay? But if someone curses my name for whatever reason, my response shouldn't be to curse them back or to do more to them. If someone comes up here this morning, Daniel comes up here and just smacks me in the face, uh, which he probably has every right to do, uh, my, my response should not be to smack him in the face. Like, because he, I felt like he embarrassed me in front of all you guys, right? That, that's, a pers- that's an issue of personal honor and pride. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about, like, these, the, these whole, like, hypothetical acts. And, and so that's why I don't like building a case for, for pacifism on here, because Jesus isn't even talking about that. And, and he's going to show us, and this is why, the next three things. So... He gives us three examples that shows us what he's talking about and shows us how we should die to ourselves in order to live for him. Number one is coming out of verse 40, and it's die to yourself by living freely. Verse 40 says, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Notice here the context of Jesus' example. He says, if anyone would sue you, so the context is a court of law. Okay, it's, it's judicial justice that's, that's at stake here. And, and so, uh, and, in, and there, the tunic is like your inner garment, the cloak is your outer garment. So he's, he's basically saying, if someone's going to sue you, and remember, if you're in a court of law, that means they think you've done something wrong against them. That's why they're suing you. So he says, if someone thinks you've done something wrong against them, your job isn't to fight for your honor. Your job is to not just give them your inner garment, but give them your outer, your outer garment as well. Live freely. Don't be attached to those things. Basically, he's saying, you're like, be naked. Like, be, like, ex- like <laughs> I was going to say something that wasn't going to sound good. <laughs> uh, but, like, be, like, give them your inner and outer. And basically, he's saying, like, you're, you're naked now. You've given them everything you, you have. And the point here is, if we are going to die to ourselves, if we're going to live freely, then we can't be attached to a bunch of worldly things. Think about what you're attached to that trumps Jesus in your life, 
that trumps spending time in God's word in your life, that trumps uh, spending time with the body of believers in your life, that trumps living on mission, serving, all these things. Think about what you're attached to. Let's, let's just start with phone. Half of you guys have your phone in your hand right now, hopefully taking notes. <laughs> um, I see you. <laughs> He's like, I got you. Um, and I just think about your phone, like we're so attached to them. We're, we're just, even on vacation, even when we're supposed to be spending time with our kids, even when we're supposed to be spending time with our boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, wife, friends, we're like looking at, we're looking at what our Facebook friends have said when your friend is right there trying to have a conversation with you. Like, just, we just came back traveling and, and everyone, ah, I'm like, you guys are on vacation. Why do you have your phone now? Like, I have my phone taking pictures, but I'm not like, yeah, anyway, so just think about how attached you are to something like that. How about um, your family? A lot of you guys are attached to your family. And that attachment prevents you from actually following God's call on your life. Be- and, and guys, a lot of these attachments are good things. But what, what's happened is they become idolatrous things. They've taken the place of Jesus in our lives. We can go down the list. Uh, coffee is a big one. I don't know if I, half of you guys are going to be angry with me if I start talking about coffee, but <laughs> Seth, yeah, <laughs> if Seth and I have actually talked about this before, if, if I, I, when people say, like, I need my coffee to get going in the morning, I'm like, that's, that's a problematic statement. Now I get it, coffee's enjoyable, like, you should, like, yeah, like, if you enjoy coffee, I'm not talking about that, that's, that's good, you can enjoy it and not, and not be an idol, um, Try not to look at Jamie over here. He's like, <laughs> not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> um, it, you can enjoy not being idle, but if you say, oh, I need this in order to do this, that, that sounds to me like an unhealthy attachment. You can put anything in that blank. A lot of us have those things. I need this in order to do this. How many of you guys say, oh, I need to pray. I need to just spend time with God in the morning before I do anything else in my day. I don't hear that statement as much as I hear I need coffee. I don't hear that statement as much as I hear, I, I need the word of God. And that's where it becomes a problem. So Jesus is saying, die to yourself, live freely. Okay, number two is coming out of verse 41. Die to yourself by living generously. If anyone forces you to go to one mile, go one mile, go with him two miles. This is in the context of someone forcing you to help them do something that you do not want to do. Uh, back in that day, the s- Roman soldiers would come and be like, hey, carry my donkey a mile. And, and, and they'd like just, just basically like take you and you'd have to do it um, or you would be punished. And so he says, if anyone forced you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Live generously. Don't, don't, um, don't let your personal honor and your pride get in the way of you living generously through your resources, your time, your, your money, your uh, your efforts, all those things. So, uh, yeah, let's move on to number three. Last one is die to yourself by living humbly. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse to the one who would borrow from you. So many of us can't die to ourselves and live humbly because we're, we're so, um, we're, we're just holding on to the things that we think are ours, the things that we think we deserve to the things that we think we've earned. And, and this, this passage is saying, no, 
you don't earn, you haven't earned these things. God has given you these things. You're just a steward, and you're to steward your resources and to live humbly and to know that you're just a servant of God, and you're to live sacrificially with a servant's heart. And, and Jesus shows us that this is possible. Jesus shows us the life that we're supposed to live, and he lives this life. Philippians five, or 2, 5 through 11 talks about this, and Paul's writing this, and he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours. He says, this mind is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he's in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. He lived freely. But emptied himself, in verse 7, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. The form of a servant. He lived, he lived generously by emptying himself. And then he lived humbly by being found in human form. He humbled himself, in verse 8, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And this is Jesus pointing us to the Father. And this is when we think of retaliation, when we think of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Like I said, the question isn't do we retaliate or do we not retaliate? The question is, how do we point people to Jesus in the face of wrongdoing and evil? And forgiveness is the key. When you realize the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and the love of Christ, and you've received that fully, that's when you can give it freely. And some of you guys are just holding on to grudges and broken relationships and, and, and wrongdoings that people, yes, like I'm not, I'm not saying someone hasn't done wrong against you, like, and, and those are real hurts, but Jesus has taken those away from you. You know, we, we've talked about you are blessed, you are, you are fulfilled, you are free, you are, you are rescued, you're valuable, and so many of us still live like we are cursed, we are worthless, we are imprisoned, we, we are, um, we are uh, just dissatisfied. And Jesus has come and said, no, you aren't those things anymore. You know, when we, when we sang that song earlier about God's reckless love, I was just thinking, like, what, like, God, for you this morning, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where you are in your faith. I don't know if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I don't know what that looks like for you right now. But Jesus is pursuing you this morning, and he's doing it recklessly like that that's a that's a crazy word and, and when i think of jesus sometimes when we think of jesus we think of this like blonde haired blue-eyed guy petting this baby sheep you know like in the renaissance or whatever and that's not jesus like that song talks about jesus as this like fiery-eyed wild man like hair going everywhere pursuing us and things are getting in his way and he's pushing them aside walls are being being erected and he's tearing them down Lies are being cast around, and he's saying no to those things, and he's running after you this morning. He'll climb any mountain. He'll, he'll go through anything just to get to you this morning, and, and he's not just strolling through this meadow. He's like viciously coming after you. He's a roaring lion. Jesus is wild. He's not tame. He's a lion that is roaring after you, and you know what? We often see this verse in the Bible on the devil that says he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And we're like all scared. You know what the devil's doing? He's trying to be like Jesus. He's not the roaring lion. 
Jesus is. Jesus is the Lion of Judah. And the devil's saying, oh, I can be that too. And he can't. He's just a, a sloppy imitation of the wild nature of the Son of God pursuing you this morning. And that's what's there for you. Do you want to be transformed this morning? Jesus wants to transform you this morning. And all it is is you trusting in him, believing in him, and giving yourself over to him. So wherever you are this morning, give yourself to Jesus. Die to yourself and live for Jesus. Because he's pursuing you. And he, and he wants you to run with him. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you pursued us. That we didn't have to come searching for you. That you stepped out of heaven. You emptied yourself you, you poured yourself out. You're obedient to the point of death in the form of a servant. You lived freely, generously, humbly so that we could do the same. And the scriptures say, therefore God has highly exalted you above anything else, above anyone else, that your name will be honored, praised, extolled, exalted above any other name, and that every knee on earth and in heaven would bow at your name. So I bow before you this morning, Lord Jesus, and say that all I am is yours. And I pray that as a church we would say the same thing. How can we live for, our, for you as a church if we can't do it individually? So Father, show us how to die to ourselves that we would live for Jesus so that we could do that as a church in this city for your glory. We ask in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.